Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. If you haven't already heard the big news, here it is. On April 1st, we will be officially changing the name of this podcast to the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. If you're subscribed, you don't need to do anything on your end except be on the lookout for some new album art and our new name. If you aren't subscribed, Now would be a great time to do that so that you don't need to remember to find us under our new name, the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. Once we roll out the Pure Life Ministries Podcast, I'll be explaining why we made this change and announce some other changes coming that I think you'll really find to be a blessing. All of that will happen when we release our first episode on April 1st under the new name, the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. All right, that's it for now. Here's the episode. Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. Coming up... The scripture says that God is love, but it also says that our God is a consuming fire. These are not opposites, and they're not different sides of God. It's the same thing. He's all love. It's just not, you know, a pity-patty kind of earthly love. It's a refining fire. In today's show, Pastor Dave Leopold looks at two New Testament stories, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus the tax collector. In each case, Jesus' powerful presence brought them face-to-face with who they really were. But how would they respond to what they saw? Because that response would determine everything. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back. As I mentioned last week, special meetings are definitely one of the highlights for the students in our residential program. And for this most recent set of meetings, we invited Pastor Dave Leopold to come and speak. He chose to speak on the life of Jesus and ask the question, who really was he? In this show, we'll play the second sermon in that series. Here we go. The scripture says that God is love. But it also says that our God is a consuming fire. (laughs) These are not opposites, and they're not different sides of God. It's the same thing. He is a consuming fire of love. (laughs) He's all love. It's just not, you know, a pity-patty kind of earthly love. It's a refining fire. (laughs) The Scripture says he's like a refining fire. People have worked as refiners, and they refine, but they themselves aren't like a refining fire. That's just what they do for a living. God is actually like a refining fire. And when he, his presence appears, it just shows up everything, and it exposes everything about us that's not good. It's not because he's mad at us. We were talking about this the other day at Michael's house. For you ladies, you can relate to this. The sun comes out right after you washed, you know, you washed your windows and it was kind of a dreary day. And they look great. And then the sun comes out. I know because at the faith homes I have to help the ladies do this stuff all the time. The sun comes out and they look awful. Is the sun mad at us? Does it want to make us look bad? Is it thinking, man, I'm going to show you? No, it's just the sun. 
It's just the sun. It's just being the sun. Without it, we couldn't survive. We couldn't live. But when it comes out, because it's the sun, everything that's not like the sun just shows up. And maybe you feel like, oh, God's really mad at me now. No, he's not mad. You might even be getting closer and stuff is showing up more. So keep going. Keep going. You guys, you, you might, I've had this experience. Although I think I washed my car for the first time in a year the other day. <laughs> I got this beige 2003 um, Accord, and you just can't see dirt on it. Plus, it's almost the color of rust. So. But anyway, you know, if you've ever had a really nice car and you spent a lot of time and you thought you had it really nice and then the sun comes out on it, and you see the swirl marks and you see all kinds of stuff that you didn't see before, again... The sun's not mad at you or your car. It's not trying to make your car look bad. It's not trying to make your job look bad. It's just the sun. It's like a refining fire. God is like a refining fire. And when you get in, your pre in his presence, things show up. And sometimes we feel lousy about it. And sometimes we should. But we can't come under a condemnation because God is just being God. And that brightness is a great, great and wonderful love. I want to um, talk to us tonight. Uh, actually, I'm not 100% sure whether I will talk about both these things tonight or just one of them. I'm really terrible at planning how long it's going to take me to say stuff. And so I just don't know. But at least the first one, and maybe two, but I want to look at two responses to this God, this man, Jesus, who was full of grace and truth. Two different responses. One was really positive, and one was negative. And I think I'm going to do the negative one first and get that over with, and then whenever we get to it, we'll end on a positive note. How's that sound? Um, let's read together Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17. We'll read, I'll just read it through uh, 24, 17 to 24. Starting with verse 17. And when he was gone, that's Jesus, forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good, Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why are you calling me good? Seems kind of odd, a response from Jesus. Why are you calling me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> That's just so awesome. <laughs> One thing you lack. 
I want you to go and sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven and I want you to then take up the cross. Come and take up the cross and follow me. Me personally. (laughs) And he was sad at that saying and he went away grieved because he had so much stuff. (laughs) He had great possessions. He was wealthy. Now you don't have to be wealthy to have a lot of treasures. You know what they say, one man's garbage is another man's uh, treasure. Jesus looked round about and said to his disciples, how difficult is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. And that's partly because they basically had the same belief in Judaism that some people have today, is that if you're really right with God, you got more toys. You've probably all seen those bumper stickers that say, he who dies with the most toys wins. Have you seen those? Yeah. Some people kind of believe that. They believed that, and so even the disciples were, were just amazed because they thought that having a lot of wealth proved that you were in favor with God. And then Jesus said it a little more clearly. Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches? You can have them and not trust in them, I'm not sure if I can. It's kind of, I don't know if somebody like me can or not, but I know it's possible, and I know some people do it. I think maybe the Lord hasn't given me any because he knows it's not that easy for me. But you cannot trust in riches. Now, I want to look at this a little bit. Um, Let's talk about what might be important to us about this man of grace and truth that came to this man, this wealthy man. He came running to Jesus. Maybe because he was a good man. You know, you could say, well, there's none good, no, not one. Okay, yeah, I know, (laughs) that's true. But even uh, Luke said that Barnabas was a good man. And uh, there are some people that seem to be better than others, aren't there? <laughs> no, no, I'm not thinking about anybody here, okay? Um, uh, but maybe he thought, he, he was running to Jesus, maybe because he thought he was going to get a good answer or he was going to get an easy fix. And maybe even... When Jesus said the first things to him, maybe he thought he was on his way to that. Because Jesus knew this man. He knew him, even though he probably had never met him. Just like he knows all of us. And he said, what shall I do? You know, it's like, just 
tell me, have you ever said this to God or have you ever said this to somebody else? Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then God tells you what to do and you complain. <laughs> Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I'm not making fun of this man at all because we're all like this at times and I have certainly been like this at times in my life, maybe more than I know. Jesus eventually did tell him. Well, he said to him, you know, because Jesus knew what this man knew. And so he said to him, you know the laws, <laughs> you know them. And the man named um, the things which he had had kept and done. Jesus named them, actually. And uh, they were the social aspects, the man-to-man, -man, the way we treat one another, and those, of course, are very important to God. But Jesus knew this man, and, and uh, Jesus knew where he was headed. In verse 21, after the man said, Lord, I've kept all these from the time I was a child. The Lord knew that. And it says that Jesus, beholding him, loved him. We need to get this. If we don't get anything else, we need to get this about this man and about Jesus. Jesus loved this man for what he did get right. He didn't despise him because he was missing the main thing even. He wasn't despising him. He wasn't kind of telling him off. He wasn't thinking... You think you're so spiritual, but now I'm going to tell you what I really want, and you're just going to drop right down dead. Ah. You know, that's what we kind of think sometimes. Now the disciples, I don't know about them and what they were thinking, okay? Because they weren't always a big help, were they? They were, you know, they were young in the Lord. They grew out of that, and they didn't understand what Jesus had come to do, and they might have been thinking after he started to walk away, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they were thinking, you know, glad we don't have to roll with this yuppie punk, you know, or something like that. But that's not what Jesus was thinking. He was looking at this young man, knowing he was missing the main thing. And how did this even get in the Bible? I mean, who noticed this? That Jesus was looking at him so lovingly and it was so obvious. It, it couldn't be hid that he was looking at this man. It's, it's every one of us, especially maybe those of us who feel like we're not doing that well or we're, we're just not quite getting there. I want to tell you, Jesus is looking on all of us with love, even if we've still got the main thing wrong. Even if we're missing the main thing, he's looking on you with love. 
And he's also looking on people with love who don't want him at all. If we could ever see the love that God has for us, if we could ever really see it, if you could see it, those of you who are kind of like this guy, and we're all like him at times, if you could see how much Jesus loves you personally, you would be so motivated by that love that you would run after him with all your heart because that's how great that love is. He is not despising you or anyone who isn't getting it quite right. He's saying, come on. Come on. Come on. He's looking at us with love and he's saying, come on. I love you. Keep coming. Keep coming. Don't give up. Don't stop now. Might have been Peter who noticed it. Tradition kind of says that Mark got his information for his gospel from Peter. I don't know if anyone knows that for a fact, but that's what many scholars believe. Maybe it was Peter who noticed it. Wow, look at the way he's looking at this yuppie. Man, he loves this guy. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> he probably wouldn't have thought that initially, but he eventually did. Well, from Jesus' heart of love for this man, he's going to tell him the truth. Jesus loved him. And he gave him an incredible invitation that not everybody got. Unbelievable invitation. Not everybody heard, you can come follow me, you know. Be one of my disciples. Follow me. Now, Jesus couldn't invite everybody because he was in the flesh then, and he was walking around the countryside and you know you couldn't really take thousands of people but this young man got invited he told him the truth and I believe with all my heart that as Jesus told him he was just rooting so much for him he was just rooting for him come on come on Come on. He saw his sincerity, his running. Come on. Come. There was no despising in Jesus because he knew that this young man didn't know what he didn't know about God, about what it meant to, to give his life to God. He, he didn't know what he didn't know, and Jesus that but he wasn't despising him he was looking at the good in him and the heart he had and he was inviting him giving him the ultimate invitation you know Jesus wants us to come so bad 
there's probably some of you that are kind of in this place, and I've been there, and in certain kinds of ways, I still get there, and I have to listen to Jesus. But he wants us to come so bad. All the way to him. Now there was one thing he was missing. That's what Jesus said to him. One thing you lack. One thing. It was a big one. It was his whole heart. And, and one way of saying is what that really was, was Jesus himself personally. He was saying it again, like we heard last night with Peter. Come after me. Come after me. Get rid of everything else. Get it out of the way and come after me. One thing, Jesus. And Jesus knew, and um, he knew that to really fulfill that and to come to know Jesus as he was, that everything had to be let go of. Jesus knew that. He knew it. He knows it about all of us. If we are going to come and do that, one thing that God wants, he really wants is one thing. <laughs> And that one thing, I'm going to say it more than one word, but, but that one thing is our whole heart. He wants your love, your attention, your affection. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wanted this man, and this man wanted to be religious. He was a good man. He was good to other people. He was probably like Jesus said to one of the religious leaders. He said to him, remember, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. You're close. <laughs> he was probably more like that. But Jesus knew that to really come after him how he wanted and to know him fully, he was going to have to Put everything down. That's the way it works. It's, it's not just because God wants it to be this way. It's because it's an impossibility for it not to be this way. Mm -hmm. See, because no man, Jesus didn't say no man can serve two masters because it was some arbitrary rule he made. What he means is it's not possible for your heart to serve two masters. It can't happen. You're not made that way. The universe isn't set up that way. I didn't create you that way. You can't do it. It's not possible. Now, one of the Gospels says it this way, that Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect meaning if you would be complete, this is what you need to do. And I suppose, and I'm not saying I do, but let's just say that you could, you know, be saved, 
but not really give yourself completely to God. I'm not saying that that's what Jesus is saying, but some say so. Let's just say that were possible. Do you really want to do that? Do you know that Jesus is giving you the same invitation and me and all of us? Because now He can. Now He's in the heavens. He's not walking around on earth. Now He's inviting every single one of us to sell everything and come and be with Him only. Not necessarily, I don't mean literally, but from our hearts, God will show us how to let go of everything. And He'll give us practice at times where we actually have to let go of things. We don't have any choice. But we're all invited like this man was. Do you really want to go back to normalcy even if you could? I can't explain what Paul meant exactly when he said, I think uh, Dustin Renz mentioned it last year at the conference, when he said that some people would be saved uh, by fire, you know, their, their souls would be saved, but all their works would be burned up. Well, can you explain that? What that sounds like, you can get there, but, but there's a loss. Can I explain that? I cannot. But I don't want to find out, do you? I don't want to find out what that means. I don't want there to be eternal loss in my life. I want to go with Jesus. And it's a challenge, and I don't always do well at it. I mean, I know you know that, but I'm just being honest. I fail a lot, but I don't give up. By the grace of God, and you have the same grace as I do, so you don't have to give up either. Just keep going. Just keep going. I was telling somebody the other day, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Just keep going in the face of it. There was a lot of grace offered to this young man. Wow. Same as the 12 disciples. A lot of grace Jesus offered to this young man. Same as offered to us. He received the ultimate invitation. Now Jesus really, really wanted him. But he was the one that rejected Jesus. But this wasn't like Nazareth. Okay. This wasn't like Nazareth where the people wanted to take him and throw him over a cliff. I want you to get this. This man really wanted to go. He wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to do what he said. He was grieved. Grieved. And he went away sorrowful. What's happening here? What's happening? What's happening is the love of the world is absolutely paralyzing. It's paralyzing. It's paralyzing some of you right now. It paralyzes me in ways at times. 
He couldn't go. He couldn't bring himself to let go in his heart of what he had grown to love of this world. He was paralyzed. He wanted to go. He was so grieved and he couldn't do it. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. You don't have to let it happen. You don't. You can choose Jesus. I can choose Jesus. I can sell out, as we say, in my heart now. God hasn't yet asked me to sell everything I own, and I'm not sure what I could get for my 2003 Accord anyway. <laughs> I actually have an 09 motorcycle, so that's probably worth, yeah, it is. It's worth more than the Accord. Um, he might sometime, but now he's asking all of us to sell out in our hearts. Now I want to talk about somebody who was very, very happy. I think I got time to do it. Let's look at Luke 19. There's a lot of similarities between these guys. Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, the tax collectors for the Romans, and he was rich. <laughs> and he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press. There was a lot of people there. Because he was a short guy. He was little. Some of you might remember the song from Sunday school. I don't know if they even still do that anymore. But when I was a kid, there was a Zacchaeus was a wee little man song. We used to sing it. And it says he ran. So we got another runner. <laughs> he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, because he was going to pass that way, and you kind of figure out this, you know, he's, he's coming down the road, and, and he sees he's coming, but he can't see him, so he runs ahead down the road, and he gets up into a tree so that he can just see this guy everybody's talking about. He's a popular guy. People get healed, delivered, miracles take place. He's a wonderful teacher. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, <laughs> for today I must abide at thy house. <laughs> I'm staying at your place. I'm coming to your crib. <laughs> and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Man, you can just picture this. I mean, this is just the bare bones of this account, <laughs> you know, and, and you can just imagine what's going on. And when they, you know, the they that we always talk about, 
they they murmured saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord look Lord half of everything I have I'm given to the poor right now and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'm going to give him back four times as much as I took. And Jesus said to him, this day is salvation come to this house because you also are a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In case you don't know it, whether you're saved or you're not sure or you're not yet and you know it, Jesus is seeking you. He's seeking me. He's seeking us all the time. He's the real seeker. He's the prayer warrior. Okay. Everybody else is just hanging around. And, you know, Jesus is the prayer warrior that helps us to pray. Well, let's just back up a minute. And, and just compare this a little bit. The rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, they both came running. And they wanted to see Jesus. One thought he was going to talk to him. The first one, the rich young ruler, probably had high expectations. I think that's probably why he came running. Now, I know this, I'm, I'm speculating some here. But my guess is he was expecting to hear some encouragement about his life. And Jesus did love him. He probably had high expectations. Zacchaeus, however, was running, but he probably had little to no expectations or very lowly expectations about God actually liking him because he was collecting taxes for the Roman occupation who the Jews hated with a passion and he was collecting more than he should and keeping the extra and getting very wealthy off of his own people and he was hated by his own people. He was the worst scum to them. The first expectation of the rich young ruler was probably based mainly on his performance. Probably thought, you know, I've kept all the commandments. He was found wanting. The second, Zacchaeus, probably had low expectations, uh, you know, if he actually met Jesus based on his performance. But instead, he had a surprising joy, and he had the joy of better than winning the lottery. It's interesting, isn't it? I really believe that, you know, we talked about how Peter kind of wanted to hide and told Jesus he better get away from him. I'm pretty sure that when Jesus actually looked up in that tree, you know, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. I doubt whether he wanted Jesus to see him. I can't say for sure, 
I doubt it because he was doing something very bad and Jesus was a holy man. And when he looked up there and he saw Zacchaeus, I just think he probably said, oh no, don't stop here. He's going to tell me off in front of everybody. Oh. But that's not what happened. Jesus wasn't shocked about Zacchaeus' sin. Zacchaeus was the one shocked at the welcome look on Jesus' face. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't hate people. He doesn't hate you when you're doing bad. And you're probably not doing as bad as Zacchaeus. Maybe you are. I don't know. But God welcomed this man. Zacchaeus couldn't believe it, I'm sure. Now he had to do what Jesus said, of course, and it was delightful to him. You know, we have also to humble ourselves and come down from our tree, whatever our tree is, like Nate was talking about. We have to come down to Jesus' level. Do you realize that? <laughs> you know, he's on a level lower than you. He is the servant of servants in his heart. God is. The creator, almighty God, in his heart is the servant of servants. I enjoyed what Nate was saying the other morning about God covering God. <laughs> the Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God has, every time I just, in the morning I'm praying, waiting on the Lord a lot in the morning, and once in a while I think about it, I wonder how many people in the world are praying right now. And I wonder what they're asking for. <laughs> God has to be lowly, doesn't he? He wants to answer all of them. He hears them all. There's no servant like the Lord. You know, I'm always impressed. I, I end up in hospitals and nursing homes quite a bit in my life. And I just love some of these people that work in nursing homes. They have such a job that's not very pleasant. And some of these people have such servant hearts. It's amazing. I could never do it. But they do. And God is lowlier than any nursing home worker that there is. He gets down and dirty in your heart. And he cleans us up. Little by little. The Lord isn't pushing us down. He's calling us to come down to him where he lives. And that's underneath us. And that's what he was doing to Zacchaeus. And he told Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> I think at this point, Zacchaeus was probably pinching himself, you know. No way this is happening. There's just no way, you know. You what? Do you know who I am? The holy 
truth teller is full of grace and coming to my house. <laughs> you know, something was beginning to dawn on Zacchaeus at this point. But he was afraid to hope. It was too good to be true, I think. Anybody ever had that experience where there was something so incredibly great and you thought it was happening, but you were afraid to be disappointed. And so you were afraid to believe it, you know. Maybe marriage was like that for some of you when you're meeting your wife. And I think there's some newlyweds around. Maybe you experienced that, that time when I remember, I remember it well. I, I wanted it to be so, but I just could not believe it wouldn't be another rejection. I just couldn't believe it. I was afraid to believe it because that was all I ever, I ever uh, actually uh, had happened when I was in the BC days. Um, <laughs> it was all rejection. And I think that Zacchaeus, something was beginning to dawn on him, but he was afraid to hope about it being true. He's on his way to his house with Jesus. And you have to remember that to the Jews, their, their whole culture, their education, the history, the very existence of the Jewish nation has to do with God. And he was a reject of God's people. He was hated by God's people. He had done everything wrong. But if I could just put into my words what's beginning to dawn on Zacchaeus. Um, I'll say it like this. It's beginning to dawn on him. God is not a Pharisee and he likes me. How can this be? He's not one of the religious leaders. He's inviting me to his house. He likes me. It was too good to be true, but it was true. And it's true about every one of us. Those of you who don't feel very loved for one reason or another, God's not a Pharisee. Have some of you had trouble with religious people, leaders? Have people been pharisaical, judgmental? Well, so have you, but <laughs> I mean, we all have. But I'm just saying, sometimes, you know, we, we feel like we haven't run into Jesus, and that's because we haven't. But Zacchaeus did, and you can too if you want to. Or you can keep saying, well, you know, they're all hypocrites. I know a guy who somebody told him that once, you know, well, they're all hypocrites down there. He said, well, you know, one more won't hurt. Go ahead and go down. <laughs> but seriously, maybe you feel like that. And I want to tell you that we're all Zacchaeus. Every single one of us is Zacchaeus. Um, we can react like the rich young ruler, and we can walk away because we're so attached to our things. But Zacchaeus was so 
overcome when he realized that the God that he thought was so hard and disliked him so much wanted to come to his house and sit down with his friends. And I bet that wasn't the sweetest crowd, you know? It was probably a <laughs> probably a rough, rough crowd in a way. Sinners. Sinners. And that's what everybody said. He's going to the house of a sinner. God wants to come to your house. This one now. And he wants to come in, for those of you who have let him in, and he wants to come in more and more. He wants to fill it up. He's not a Pharisee, and he likes you. That's right. He likes you. He's not a Pharisee. He's got a very, very big heart, and he wants to cleanse you. Now, he is a refining fire. That's just what he is. So when he comes into our life, he's not mad at us, but he's going to clear the temple because that's what he is. And that's what he does. If you want that, if you want a clean heart, a pure heart, a single eye, an undivided heart, however you want to say it, then just give everything away to Jesus. Let go of it in your heart once and for all. Zacchaeus was so grateful that he, he just wanted to give everything away. And this is what the Lord wants to happen to us. And I'm going to stop here. But this is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to show his heart to us and he wants to come in and make us so grateful that for the rest of our life, we will just overflow on others because we're so thankful for what he's done for us. You know, it's not a job. It's not a ministry. It's just overflow every day, overflow, because we have such a clear sight of what Jesus has done for this sinner who did not deserve it. The love he's given to this sinner who did not deserve it. And so Zacchaeus just wanted to give everything away. And I pray that we will, I will, never lose sight of that fact in my life. I pray to God tonight, Lord, help me and help us all. If you know the Lord, pray to God that you never get to the point where you've been saved long enough and you start to, to give off an error or think in your heart, if other people would just be more like me, if they just try harder like me, if they just pray more like me, if they just be more like me, they could know God. Instead of that, just stay in the heart of Zacchaeus. God has given me so much when I deserved absolutely nothing. And I just want to overflow on everybody for the rest of my life, Lord. And just keep us in that heart. Next week, we'll be back with the third message in this series. But before we go, if you like sermons from Pure Life Ministries... 
the best way is through our smartphone app. When you download our app, you'll have access to a lot of our digital resources, including articles, teaching videos, Purity for Life episodes, and the sermons that are preached weekly in the Pure Life Ministries Chapel. You can get that app wherever you download your apps. We hope you'll check it out. All right, God bless. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.